0: Welcome to the Higgins Higgins House House and my mommy's mommy's podcast. (laughs) Hey, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Higgins House. We took a couple of weeks off so that we could enjoy spring break with our family. And I, as you all know, am in school, so I had midterms and all that good stuff to complete. Um, But we are back with a new friend that I have made um, via Instagram because, you know, that is the joys of social media, and I am so excited to welcome Sarah. Um, Sarah, you can look her Instagram up, at Sarah and Abby, um, and Sarah is an ADHD mama raising autistic Abby, and her whole platform is designed to share her journey so that other mamas feel less alone on theirs, and so I'm so excited for Sarah to share with us her story and how she became a mom and the, the ups and downs of all things that come with motherhood in general, but also motherhood specific to her um and so welcome to the Higgins house
1: thanks excited to be here
0: I'm excited I I'm super excited for at the end we will talk about all the things your Instagram and all that but she just launched t-shirts that I'm very excited to go order they have big giant smiley faces on them with headphones and it makes my heart happy
1: I wear them literally every day. Like, I'm rocking a prototype one right now of a color I ended up not going with, but now I have it. So I'm wearing it. And
0: I love it. They're it's, my thing. They're, they're awesome. I'm so excited. So tell Thanks. us just kind of about you. And um, I actually don't know. Is Abby your only child? She's not. So um, tell us all the things. <laughs> so,
1: um, so, me, um, born and raised Southeast, married my college sweetheart. Um, so we were we thought we were so grown. We got married at twenty three. <laughs> Looking back now, I'm like who let us get married at twenty three, like we were children. So <laughs> um, we took a long time to kind of settle into careers and like a home that we didn't move out of a year later. And um, thankfully, waited several years to start having kids. So we had Abby when we'd been married for five years. Um, and i just turned twenty nine when she was born. Um in 2017, October of 2017, and my husband and his sister are two years apart, my sister and I are two years apart. We just were like, "Oh, we'll have kids two years apart," because sounds so easy to plan, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I did. In fact, I was teaching. I'm an element. I was an elementary school teacher. That's my degree. So we were like, "Well, if we're gonna have another kid, let's shoot for summer because a mid-year maternity leave was I'm rough. Bit, I'm very
0: <laughs> familiar with that."
1: The whole financial situation uh-huh. that was just not, we didn't want to do that again. Um, so we said, well, you know what? We'll try this month. And if we get pregnant, cool. If we don't, we'll just wait another year. Mm-hmm. And we got pregnant. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. So Abby was two. Um, it was exactly, she was born in October, 2017. Um, October, 2019, I went in for our eight week ultrasound and it was my 31st birthday. And we were told that that baby was probably not going to make it. Mm. And that was just like, you know, that gut punch. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. A lot of your listeners know that I got punched. That was mm-hmm. like the worst day ever. Um, so we did, in fact, I did have a miscarriage like that week. Um, and I was like, okay, well, sucked, but mm-hmm. it just felt like Abby was still so little and, um, My husband was just very, like, logical about it and just Mm -hmm. was like, well, that was not the baby that was supposed to be in our family. And we were like, okay. Um, And then the next year, got pregnant on accident again. Had (laughs) another miscarriage, probably. Mm -hmm. So that one really pulled the rug out. As if the first one wasn't bad enough, the second one, like, really messed me up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was fall of 2020. So... Let's keep in mind where the world was in 2020, uh-huh. right? Like, yep. um, I was headed back to school in a pandemic. I didn't want to go back to school yet because I was, like, terrified. Everything was weird and different. Um, and then, surprise, the pregnant, already had the anxiety of following a miscarriage just a terrible two months of my life and then lost that baby at 12 weeks um, and then just had, like, a whole nice spiral for the next several months. Mm-hmm. And so that was fall of 2020 that baby would have been due, um, in April of 2021. Mm-hmm. And in April of 2021, we found out happy was autistic. Mm. <laughs> so it did not go like we thought it would. Um, mm-hmm. I myself figured out my ADHD early in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of great timing. Um, yeah. I could take, um, like meds for that and couldn't have if I had been pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and- life-changing It's yes. <laughs> like wow my brain works uh-huh. <laughs> this is what it, it, it can like. function oh man it was so quiet in my head I remember mm-hmm. driving to school and that was normally my like 10 minutes of panic time in the morning and mm-hmm. I was on the edge of teaching by the time I got to school and I'm just driving school and it was just a to-do list in my head and I was so calm and I thought are you are you kidding me it took this many years to get here it was so bad so I had a delightful like two or three months on this um figured out Abby was not diagnosed in April but that was when we found out which I'm sure we'll get to later mm-hmm. her story um, and then five weeks after that day I found out I was pregnant again mm. <laughs> like, oh man God, and, um that was really like not that was not a fun pregnancy test you know sometimes mm-hmm. you take it and you're like and that was the one that I was like, please don't, please don't, please yep. don't. Like I don't, yep. I had so firmly decided for the first many years, I did not want to be pregnant again. I was perfectly happy with one kid. And mm-hmm. I thought this is, it all kind of made sense for a minute. It was like, well, this is why those two babies shouldn't have been with us. Like mm-hmm. we needed Abby, we needed to dedicate ourselves to her and to figure out her situation and like, it's going to be fine. She's just going to be an only child. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. I was like, i I was fully intending to quit my job. And just stay home with my sweet autistic child. And then like mm-hmm. a week before my day of school. And Jesus said, I- just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what you're going to do? Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, so that just for all kinds of emotional reasons, mm-hmm. that was like not the time to get pregnant. And then I thought, well, this is a stupid lose-lose. Like, right. I don't really want it right now, but I don't want to lose this baby either because I don't want to go through that again. Like. I'm already too far in. This just stinks either way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, yes. I had a lot of conversations with God about that one. Um, and then I was telling some teacher friends about it a couple weeks in. I was like, I was already about six weeks pregnant by the time I even took the test. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I knew deep down inside. And I just, I just going, waited. No. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not happening. And then it was. Um, but I was telling some teacher friends about it. And one of them said, something about that maybe the reason losing those two babies wasn't about you it was about abby Mm -hmm. and ready to be a big sister and like you may have thought you were ready to be a mom but like she didn't Mm -hmm. god knew about abby that you didn't know yet and you needed that time to figure that out for her and it would not looking back on when those babies would have been born and where abby was one of them Mm -hmm. was due may of so like oh yeah early pandemic would have been a really difficult time to have a kid I was work I was teaching from home with an mm-hmm. undiagnosed half-year-old mm-hmm. and I was like sad that I was not super pregnant during that time so just we can kind of see a lot of the grace in that as terrible as that was to walk through and I would love to ask God why he had to do it that way mm-hmm. yes. you know all like yeah me not but I don't think I would be the person that I am today and mm-hmm. have same outlook on things or the same empathy for people and um as far as you know telling your story so others feel less alone like uh-huh. I think that's just another story that helps other people feel uh-huh. less alone absolutely so crazy uh life journey but anyways um just was the baby that made it um which was great so Elsie I had to go back to school because you don't quit your job when you're pregnant cause that's <laughs> just. <laughs> Bad idea. Um, and as many things as were terrible about teaching, our insurance was phenomenal, and mm-hmm. I knew my hospital bill would be so low if I kept my insurance. So mm-hmm. I thought, I'll just go back. She was due in January. I was like, I'll teach for a semester, keep my insurance, have a baby in January. It'll be fine. And then that was like the worst semester of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mental health was at like an all time low, and my school. In particular, was it like an all-time hardest place in the world to work mm-hmm. for just circumstances that aren't even worth diving into in this conversation? Yeah. But it was—it would have been a bad semester anyway, mm-hmm. being pregnant for it with the high levels of anxiety <laughs> that <laughs> came with after loss. It was and trying to get my child diagnosed with autism. Like there mm-hmm. are so many yes. things happening. Um, barely made it to January. Made it. Mm-hmm. Elsie was born January of last year so she just turned one not that long ago um and I went on a maternity leave and it was like my head cleared mm-hmm. like when I was home and I wasn't teaching anymore and then this baby was born and I could like breathe again mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh man the clouds just parted and we could finally breathe um and then during that maternity leave I actually got a new job <laughs> so I didn't even have to go back to school there
0: you go. um but
1: the popped up to become the children's ministry director at my church. Mm-hmm. And that was talk about dream job. Uh-huh. <laughs> the perfect follow up to teaching and a really cool use of all the things that I picked up in almost a decade of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, being raised in church and then also having an autistic kid. Like I think that just had given me such a different outlook on the kids who wiggle in church. And Yes. The, yes because kids have sensory needs at church too. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, because there's, um, there's such a generational gap too of, you know, like when we were raised in church, it was you sit there and you be quiet and you don't move around and you wait, you pee later. And if you're leaving, it's because you're getting a spanking. Like you're not, it's it's not the same. And now it's like, just let the, like we go to a very small church now. And I mean, we live in a small town, but Zane is now at the age that he's, supposed to be sitting through church and both Tyler and I have to like actively shift our mindsets because it's like, would you please just sit down and be quiet? But I'm like, nobody in this room cares. Literally they do not care. He could run a circle around the room and none of them would care. They don't care. And I'm like, but I care. And I have to like change my mindset, but away from what it was in the past to like, this is different. He can move, he can walk up and down the pew. Nobody cares. (laughs)
1: Like that's that's a big discussion at my church a lot too. Like we're we're big on it's a pretty big church, but they're very big on kids being in big church with mm-hmm. ups and like mm-hmm. hours. Um, but they're kind of all about kids being in church and like if y'all are all about you want your kids yeah, in church. Like be prepared. Yeah, that really means. Is there <laughs> is there know.
0: accommodations for this? Have we prepared or have has the meeting happened?
1: <laughs> they're noisy sometimes, and they uh, they don't have to spill. Abby bless her sweetheart mastered the whisper. Like yes. day one, we ever brought to church because you know, pandemic. We took, we didn't go to church. In yeah, you didn't for go anywhere. Since.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and, uh, COVID was kind of picking back up that fall that I was pregnant. And we were like, we're just gonna not. Nope, I'm mm-hmm. like not risking this at all, any way, shape or form. So we're just staying away <laughs> yep. forever. Um, so we didn't go to church. In and, and then when we had brought her back, we had told her kind of her for what church was going to look like and we had told her there'd be music and that we would sit in our seat and that we'd be quiet Mm -hmm. and we and that girl whispers from the time she walks in the front door
0: (laughs) (laughs) she took you very seriously
1: that's her precious autistic literal mind Uh directions if she has a direction she will follow it very Mm -hmm. literally (laughs) yes it's not you just tell her what to do she'll do it and so we said whisper and that girl whispers um is a whole other Thankfully, she's still small enough that when she's standing, you know, she's not like, yeah,
0: nobody door. notices.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Um, and that's honestly fine with me. Like, her being active in her seat is not nearly as disruptive as her, like, yelling. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, yeah. Being... <laughs> when she is yeah quiet. That's
0: like our two year old so, telling you all about Paw Patrol. Like, the <laughs> the Lord, the Lord is here. Paw Patrol is not. We got to focus on the topic at hand, son. Like,
1: Peter tried to, like, listen to the sermon and, um, it's a whole thing but it has been it's been kind of cool like the things that I have been able to kind of set up at our church like we have sensory bags for mm. church now. That's awesome. That's her little blanket and I set up a sensory path down the hall that um, mm. Mid often will get up and go hop down that sensory path and come back <laughs> and a big difference in her ability to make it through the rest of the service because um, you know we want them in church but we want them regulated and that's mm not masking and not fake regulated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. that's, um anyway, so circling back to just that's where I am now. Yeah. Um been really cool to kinda see all the little stepping stones in mm-hmm. my life that led up we are even things that I did not enjoy going through or did not mm-hmm. want to go through, but absolutely made me the parent I am mm-hmm. and made me perfect for this job that I'm in and um, I'm sure there are still things that effects of things that I have gone through that I have not even scratched the surface of yet or things that I may never know um, the impact that those had but you know here we are.
0: That's- it's funny we're a lot more alike than I ever realized so Abby was born in uh, of 2017 my old Zane was born huh? in 2018 I'm also a teacher okay. I'm also a teacher <laughs> <laughs> I did you so Yeah. So I did, um, I did a year at high school and decided that that was not for me. Um, And I did that because my, I do not have a degree in education. My degree was in child development and child life um, to, I was originally going to become a child life specialist in the hospitals and um, they're a free service in hospitals. If you, if you don't know, now, you know, if you ever go to a children's hospital, ask for their child life specialist Um, And basically what they do is they come in and they explain in child's terms um, what is going to happen. They'll bring in teddy bears or a doll or whatever, and they'll show the IV or or whatnot and help explain to the kid. So I really wanted to do that, um, but I also really didn't want to live in a big city, (laughs) making that really difficult. Because, like, at Cook's Children's, they're very common they're very popular and like here in in our area there's one in Abilene and there may be one in Lubbock but those are an hour plus away from us and so I decided to go the whole alternative teaching certificate route but because of my degree I could do um like home ec type classes and so my initial was that and then I had worked um in in a special education field of some sort forever um when I was in college, I worked at a, is basically a church camp for children with uh, autism, ADHD. Um, and so I was a camp counselor first.
1: Prepping you uh, for
0: your. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so I was camp counselor first and then, and came back every year. And then I ended up living there and working there full time. Um, and so I lived there until I moved here and got married. Um, but so did my teaching certificate, ended up in special education. Um, did a couple a year or two of kindergarten, which I loved. Um, but COVID happened and I had not finished my one of my tests, but then I couldn't take my tests. So so I still am not fully certified in science uh for pre-K through four, but you know, you know, I can teach them ELAR and math, okay? Um But so went back into special education and did everything from self-contained to behavior only to life skills to resource to inclusion. Um and behavior really has always kind of been my happy place. Um, and so since then, just this year, um, was the first time in six years I have not driven 30-plus miles to work. Um, and so I literally drive two streets over. It's glorious. It's beautiful. Um, and I am a, the behavior interventionist through our co-op for eight districts. And then I um, am going back to school for diagnos- educational diagnostician. And so it's funny how you and I, so Zane in 2018 had a miscarriage in 2019. We did. Um, yeah. Probably closer to the 12 week mark, a lot like yours. Um, Benjamin was born in 2020, and then Lainey Kate was born in 22. <laughs> wow. So, and it's funny that you said, you know, like Abby wasn't ready to be a big sister. It never dawned on me until you said that, like Zane probably wasn't ready. We were in that weird land of are you really a d h d like me or are you a boy because I was not raised, I did not have uh brothers, it was just me and my sister, so that whole like that's what boys do thing was very unfamiliar to me, and my brother in law has three brothers, and katie's like no that's that's just what boys do and i'm like mm, i don't boys can't like finish peeing because they get distracted like mm." <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's right. Like, and so we, you know, kind of went down that and, and then our kids are very close together. You know, like Zane literally just turned five a few days ago. Ben is turned two in October. Lainey Kate will be one in May. Um, and so they are very close together. Lainey Kate and Benjamin were a hundred percent supposed to be uh, farther apart than they are. (laughs) That was definitely, I, all my friends, I used to say three to five business years was the gap. The designated gap that I had planned between them and it was like less than 18 months. Like, I guess, no, I guess they're 20, like 22 months apart, Yeah, <laughs> which is both great and not great. Yeah, <laughs> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, with, with education in general and COVID and all of that, um, was very gung ho on, I love what I do and I, I love that. I have the history and the knowledge that I have, but I did not want to be in a classroom anymore. I Not only because I didn't want to drive 30 miles anymore, but I wanted to be able to go in and teach the skills for the behavior and then, as bad as it sounds, leave. Because what was happening was every single significant behavior student, and I, I mean that from a true Not like they were a bad kid, like a true overstimulation or something like that scenario, which is by no means their fault. I was extremely pregnant for every one of those that I had. So like Zane was born in March. He was born spring break. That worked out really well for maternity leave. That's a whole podcast episode also, may I add. Teaching teachers when to have babies for sake of maternity leave and insurance costs. Um, But so he was born then. Benjamin... I, and I actually did not return to teaching. I actually had a very short stint of working for Child Protective Services um, uh-huh. because of a time frame with Zane that he was having some jaundice issues and, and I just, I couldn't go back. I didn't feel like I could go back at the time. And so then Benjamin was born in October, which was actually worked out really well. It was like Thanksgiving and Christmas worked in my favor for, uh-huh. and, and this was, this is the one thing COVID did for me. COVID required for a lot of doctors that you be quarantined one week prior to going into the hospital. My doctor did not require that. However, my doctor was willing to sign the paper that she did. And that was the time that TEA provided five days of COVID leave. So separate from my actual days, I got five days. So I basically had three weeks of paid maternity leave because he was born in October and we had just come in August. So Benjamin was our cheapest delivery by far because I didn't have to pay anything as far as absences go. Um, and then Lane yeah. Kate was born in May and I did end up, she was May 25th. No, she was due May 25th. When did she come? I don't know. I have an index card in my car that tells me when everybody's birthdays is, if we're being really honest. Um, I, I get them all flip-flopped. I got the months right. But, but so she came, I, I think I took two weeks at the end of school off. I didn't do the last two yeah. weeks of school, um, and then she was born, and I had all summer, which was glorious. Um, but I, I did not want to go back to the classroom, and honestly, unfortunately, I had no specific reason. Like some people have, like this, this, and this. I had great schools that I worked for. I had great support. It, it's higher. It's higher up than, than them, and like higher, higher, way up there. And so unfortunately it trickles down and the teachers don't have the support that they truly need to support the kids. And unfortunately, when you look at it from a special ed perspective, it's an even larger difficulty or hurdle or whatever you want to call it, because I can fight all day for my kids. But when you're also expecting me to do other things that the state of Texas or whoever is saying, Oh, you got to do this too. It takes away from my ability to serve my students and for my ability to make sure that I am providing those accommodations and those modifications and doc- documenting and data and all of that. And so now being in the co-op, I'm able to sit down and take all those behaviors and write reports that are like, okay, well, based on on the teacher's notes that are just little sticky you know, Sometimes teachers are like, I just gave you a sticky note. And I'm like, but it's still data. I'm able to say like, Okay, Zane did this three times this week. Okay, well, if you do the math, that's X percentage. We're seeing it this much in a week, and here's what's causing that. And then I'm able to give that information back because I have the time to compile it together and say, you know, like, for instance, if, you know, we went through this whole thing, and then you turn the lights off for the next lesson, and all of a sudden the kid was fine. Okay, well, what's wrong with the light? Like, there's a sensory Ah. issue there. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, like... They don't have the time to recognize those things, and that's not their fault. Um, and so, this was definitely not an episode that was meant to talk about education and COVID. But that, I will come back for that. that was though, I was going to say, but that lot. is another episode that we will be covering because it's important to talk Ab- about. Um, uh-huh. But so, tell us about. Um, I know, obviously, your whole your whole stance, your whole platform, and everything is all about um, raising Abby and uh, being a mo- an ADHD mom, which <laughs> preaching to the choir, yeah. but. But raising Abby and, and going through that process and um, and you frequently share, you know, what other moms wish people wouldn't say to them about their kid. Like they don't look autistic or it'll cure, right? Or, you know, all those phrases that nobody ever wants to hear. Um, but I think it's really important whether you are the mom listening that is going through the process or if you're the mom listening that – and if you're not actively thinking about this, I would, I want to plant this seed – who is working on teaching their child to recognize differences among each other. Like, our kids are very resilient. Most of them actually don't notice differences among each other yet in this young time, which is beautiful. It's actually very helpful. But there does come a time that they do. And the way they respond to that is a direct reflection on the way you respond to it as the parent, because that's where they learn it. And so I'm hopeful that in you kind of sharing y'all's process, because I know inclusivity is a huge part of your um, stance, is, is how parents who are not going through this process can help educate their kids on, you know, when I see Abby doing this or when I see, you know, Billy doing that, how can I be a friend? How can I be a helper uh, without obviously overstepping, you know, but like how can you be a good friend? How can you be a good community member and not immediately jump to, because uh, autism doesn't have a look. It doesn't have a face. Oh. It doesn't have... It's it's invisible. It's something that we've always talked about. ADHD is too. A lot of times it's invisible, but it looks like bad behavior or bad parenting. Ah. And uh, unfortunately, I see it regularly walking through Walmart. And I'm like, my kid's not bad. He's just dysregulated. And I feel like I need a t-shirt that says, I parented him fine. He's just dysregulated. Like... <laughs> But honestly, um, and you know, and every kid gets a different parent, like they all have the same parent, but Zane was our firstborn. So he got the mom who knew nothing. And Lainey Kate's now getting the mom who's like, no, we don't do that. We do this, or we're going to try this, or that didn't work with your brother. And so tell us just about y'all's process of getting Abby diagnosed and how that affected y'all and your everything, mental health and all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: sure. So Abby, let's see. Abby was two and a half when pandemic hit. So um, autism—that's kind of when autism typically shows up—is around two, and it's not that that's when they catch it. It's not when it starts. They're yes. born with it. Um, it's that a lot of these things. And I, every time I'll post a video about like early signs in Abby or early traits, and mm-hmm. you always get, every child is like that. Every toddler does that. Every whatever." I'm like, yes. They do. Yes. That's why it's so, um, and why you often don't see it until you're looking back. Uh-huh. Um, when they, you know, when every eighteen-month-old does whatever, and then when your two-year-old is still doing it, um, mm-hmm. and you realize not just a phase of development, this was like a long-term pattern of hers, where this is something that, um, she never stops doing when everybody else did. So when they're eighteen months old, it, all of it could be typical, mm-hmm. like anything that I do that I'm like she's been doing that since she was 18 months old when she was 18 months old they everyone was doing it mm-hmm. and it's you know even too um but then and she had been at daycare since she was three months old because both my husband and I worked full-time so but we had not seen her around those other kids like mm-hmm. she had been around other kids um kind of just going with the flow we don't really I never really saw her much my the only other kid that we were like close to our best friend's kid was 10 months older than her so mm-hmm. anytime that, like, I had kind of lost track of what, what she could do at different ages. And she was very verbal, very social, very outgoing, could be friends with a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Like, is friends. Um, So a lot of things, like if, you know, when Abby was 18 months old and still not using any words and not talking at all, mm-hmm. and I totally lost track of how many words Everly was using at 18 months yeah. old. Like, I just didn't. Abby was our only kid, and I just there were a lot of things. I only worked with third and fourth graders. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know about early childhood development and that well, kind of stuff. So, and
0: as a side note, when you're an ADHD mom, there are ah. many of these things you don't like. I don't know when my kid crawled first. I don't know. Like no. you know how they ask that on the paper. I'm like, do do y'all really know this? Like, is this an ADHD thing? Because I have no idea. I have no idea how old they were when they crawled. I have no. I, I would know if I looked at a video on my phone, but I don't know That's when he why. walked. I don't know when he crawled. I don't know when he said his first word. I just know that when I look at him, like, like Benjamin and his speech delay, when I was looking at him and another who was a girl and you have to, you know, the whole girl boy thing. But finally her mom, I had been talking about his speech and she never really saw it. And then we put them together one day and they're only six months different. And she was like, okay. Oh, because he would not say anything. And she was like, and she said, but it's not, she said, but he doesn't need to say anything because he's literally doing it all himself. And I said, it's because I don't understand him. So he's just figured out how to take care of it for himself. But it wasn't until I had that visual comparison of like, "Hmm, she's actually six months younger than him. And having all these things that are not, you know, and that was speech specific, but same thing. It's like, yeah he's among friends, but that's not the same <laughs>
1: The same thing for us, of course um this, oh,
0: you're there, you're good okay. you're good, sorry <laughs>
1: one of us got a phone call or something No, um, it's
0: me my uh the twelve year old's upstairs with the littles, and I felt the need to make oh. sure that that text message was not like a white flag asking for help. okay
1: <laughs> um, that's probably fine, so um time. So Abby yeah, Abby so anyway. two
0: and a half and Abby and this is why uh, this is why I write notes. Abby was two and a half and COVID.
1: I have a list somewhere of all the things. So COVID happens. She's not in daycare for like a super long time. Um and then she goes back I don't know, however many months later. Um but so around when they turned two at her daycare, they started like working on potty training with the kids, mm-hmm. which was cool. I I don't know when I was going to do it, but not in two. Like, that felt really young to me. Mm-hmm, yes. And I guess Not have been because all the other kids in her class got it before they turned three. And she absolutely did not. Uh-huh. Um, at all. So, <coughs> yeah, um, all of her little friends turned three. So, mm-hmm. in that time when she's out, like, I'm noticing things. But when she's just by herself in our house mm-hmm. or when it's endemic and everybody is a little dysregulated right now, mm-hmm. like, just having a meltdown every day about something felt kind of normal and she was too. and you yeah. know that terrible that terrible two tax yeah, which I, I hate I do too so cool um developmentally they're huge but I just in my head was like oh she's just a normal two-year-old like mm-hmm. this is just every day." um and the fact that some of the some of her things were harder to notice because I didn't she wasn't around other kids like mm-hmm. her having zero interest in playing with other kids mm-hmm. when you're all by yourself that doesn't matter yeah life's <laughs> easy when you yeah <laughs> And then when she's our only kid and even though she's not talking at all but she can walk to the fridge and open the door when she wants milk and like there were things that we just kind of rolled with it like just so mm-hmm. just the way she was and um things like she she would have a meltdown at target if we didn't follow the same path through the door like oh, we'd yeah. always go in and an aisle and we kind of typically we were there for the same things so that's kind of where we grocery shops and everything um and we typically would follow the same path. And then, you know, every once in a while, we didn't need a thing that was over there. So we'd go somewhere different and girl would like lay on the ground. Your order, Yeah. Her- <laughs> carried on. Out. And, you know, two-year-olds have meltdowns in stores. So an isolated event, a lot of people would have been like, you know, she's a two-year-old, whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing happens like consistently or that her intense need for following the same path uh-huh. um, or when I dropped her off at daycare if it was not her normal teacher in the room
0: we didn't off. want to go
1: in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sat at the same seat at the table every time she went in and if there was a kid in that seat she was going to stand there and look at you like weird. <laughs> he she needs to I go. Out <laughs> her seat and she was going to sit in it. <laughs> there were just lots of little things. Um, it's, the Sheldon, it's-,
0: it's the Sheldon Cooper that's my spot all over again. <laughs>
1: training taken forever lots of little things her language was not that was like kind of our biggest concern mm-hmm. um our my husband and I I after she turned two and she still was like not talking mm-hmm. and we kept asking teachers shouldn't shouldn't she be talking more by now like I feel mm-hmm. like she, a couple words here and there and they'd all go oh she'll get there in her own time mm-hmm. So she'll get there you know you always have to like well my cousin didn't talk till she was three and a half and now she's whatever like yeah okay so we just never did anything with that and just for like she's a late talker and then it kept being like
0: later and later a late
1: talker mm-hmm. um and you would tar- there was a great instagram account i followed um speech sisters is mm-hmm. the name of that one so if you're saying and your child is not autistic or you don't know they are yet but they have a language delay speech sisters was phenomenal um and they posted all these great things about getting your late talkers talking and we'd follow all the tips and they would have all these charts about how many words your kid should know at mm-hmm. a certain age and Abby knew words, but they were all like the names of colors or mm. the names, or like she used words to label things. And this is one of the big ones that I did not see till I have a 14 month old now who was using words to communicate. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, but she says, it's not always right, you know, she's 14 months old, but she'll say apple when she wants to eat something mm-hmm. and she'll like, communicate. communicates and Abby yeah. did not communicate. Labeled things, wasn't communicating. Um and so, but in my head, I was like, "Oh well, she knows words. Like, mm-hmm. great, check the box. Like, she's not yeah. that delayed because she knows. Um, <laughs> not necessarily knowing the words mm-hmm. is how you use them. Um, so just all these little things. And then by the time she turns three, and all the other kids in her class have turned three, and they've all moved up to three-year-old room at daycare, and she was not moving up. Mm-hmm. And then. I thought, you know, maybe the three-year-old class is full, whatever. And then I'd ask about it, and they'd say, well, she's still not potty trained, and she has to be potty trained before she can go to the three-year-old room. And, again, I'm like, that is so young. Is this really
0: a thing? Like, is yeah. this really when other people <laughs> Well, that's what, um, yeah. And, I mean, again, we have boys versus girls, yeah. that whole thing. But, like, Zane, we started around that time because I was, everybody was like, are you going to start? Are you going to start? And I was like, sure, why not? And then we started and actually stopped two or three times because I was like, he yeah. is not ready. And then one summer – He was already past three. One summer we were at a summer camp with horses and I knew that he could do it. He was just getting distracted. And I finally I said, All right, bro, if you want to ride the horse in the barn, which was like his die ride or die like goal, I was like, then no more accidents. He never peed in his pants again. Not once. Still to this day, he's never peed in his pants again. He's had some nighttime, you know, instances or like doesn't get there in time. But I'm like, oh, so see, it's that ADHD. If I give you the right, like carrot in front of you. And apparently the carrot was a massive horse. So, you know, it's whatever it takes. <laughs> but we did the same thing. Like Benjamin, yeah. is, Benjamin is 2 let's see October, November, December, January, March, April, May, two years, seven months. And he will go in the potty. Like if you take him there, he will sit down and go in the potty but the the logistics of oh my pull up is wet or oh i you know um or if you say you know did you poop no but that's the answer to everything and i'm like okay well i don't know why i keep taking your word for it but that's that's my bad but it's that whole you know i i there are some people who are die hard like you start here and you do this for 5 days and and that may work for you but every child is different. Whether there is a special need or not, every child is different and every brain develops differently. And I, I'm i just a... Di- I'm also... I don't know if lazy parent is the right way to go, but I've definitely fallen the lazy parent side of the spectrum um, because it is... I 100% say that parenting is a spectrum of its own because I, there is like the, the overachiever mommy spectrum side and then there's the lazy parent side. I'm for sure down here. Um, but like... I'm it, I'm actively going to work with you. I could set a timer for Benjamin all day long, but sure. it doesn't change the fact that his brain is not saying, I need to go potty. I need to go potty. So I'm going to wait until your brain is telling you that you need to go potty. That's, and that's what works for us. Some parents are like, but that just takes so much longer. You're right. It does. And it means we pay for diapers longer, but yeah. it is what it is.
1: <laughs> and like, I guess, it worked for all the kids in her class because they all got money mm-hmm. trained and moved on. Up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, she hanging out in the two year old room and got to where she was three and a half and she was still in the two year old room.
0: Mm. And,
1: um, she just was like, never going to move up. And I just kept, but she was happy there. She loved it. She was fine. Mm-hmm. She was about, it kind of probably should have been more of a red flag. To, like She was at their age. Uh huh. With... You're younger than her. Mm-hmm. Five's great. It's a... Um, and so finally, that was you were talking about seeing your kid with someone younger than uh-huh. him. That was we had a, a play date at our house. This was the April of mm-hmm. 2021, and I my friend who's ten months older than her, she was there, and another friend there whose daughter is six months younger than Abby, mm-hmm. four months younger than Abby. Um, so pretty close, but younger. And that was the day that I was like, whoa!
0: All the puzzle like, pieces Abby came together.
1: I mean, and it was it was at our house, which was probably even harder for Abby, but it was just, it was like the most painful play date of my life. And like, you know, <laughs> they're my friends. But I was like, Abby's being weird, man. Like, mm. this is a kid. Clearly <laughs> mm-hmm. could not, those two could like hold conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, and I knew Abby could not hold a conversation um, at all, could not answer questions, could not walk up to you and just tell you a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. And I would funny quotes on the internet of like hilarious sentences that like three-year-olds had said and mm-hmm. I was like there is no way a three-year-old said that like three-year-olds don't <laughs> talk
0: not, yes no, they, they do
1: <laughs> not, um, at all. that was my that's just human like a th- no a three-year-old did not say something that witty and funny on purpose no they do yeah um so watching this other kid who was three having this fluent conversation and then they went out and like played on the swing, and Abby's inside having a meltdown that they're touching her swing, and they're out there talking about their favorite like PJ Masks characters. And mm-hmm. I was like, Abby could not do that; yeah. she could not tell you, you know, she had one, she couldn't tell you about it, couldn't mm-hmm. answer that question. And then like they'd be playing, and Abby <laughs> would just get up and leave the room, like yep. not- I'm done with you people. Go off, and I'd find her in our bed with an iPad, happy as a clam, like mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. her was playing in our house. And it was like they didn't know what to do with her, and like you said, they don't really. They just went and got in bed with her. Like, they were yeah. like, oh, this is what we're doing now. We'll just go sit with Abby and watch her iPad. It's a new game. Um, but yeah, and then they'd, of course, be over that three minutes later because mm-hmm. Abby was just watching the same thing on repeat yep. over and over and over again. Yes. And then, but then that happened like a couple of times. And at the time, we had a literal ball pit in our living room. Like, that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, all, the whole middle of the ball pit because Abby loved just balls. Mm-hmm. Like, more than like, a normal yeah. balls. Or- <laughs> it was an I over-fascination. Like, <laughs> old, like, really intense love of balls. And, um, like, if she was upset about something at daycare, they would hand her a ball to hold, mm-hmm. and it would calm her. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: hey, you, she, know, the you, old, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes.
1: I mean, like, she would hold. It used to be rocks when she was, uh-huh. like, two-ish. She would, her hands.
0: Like, a mm-hmm. two-year-old girl should yeah.
1: not have with rock. Yeah. And, like, yeah. she had little bubbles all the time. Like, she just, and then it kind of moved to balls. There were all these things that day that were like, I just was like cringing. And then, um one of my, the mom of the girl who's ten months older than Abby had multiple degrees in special education. Mm. So, like, she was a special ed teacher. She, I'm pretty sure, had known this probably for like a year. Had probably had was a trying feeling to find that to the, the right way. And how do you bring that up to your friend? Like, mm-hmm. just a weird. And, you know, we weren't together, like, all the time. But I'm sure as time had gone on, by the time Abby was three and a half, she probably was like, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, So I think she was just waiting for the right moment. And then that day, she got it. Because they were, Abby was wanting to watch something on TV. And, you know, three-year-old girls should be watching, like, princess movies, like, normal stuff. Abby picks this YouTube video of vegetables being sliced. It was like... It's so weird. <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, it's It's like ASMR for adults yeah. <laughs> slicing vegetables. It's just like uh-huh. like spicy
1: noise. And I kind of hated it. Like the sound kind of like made yeah, me Yeah, I can't stand those. I was like, can you just pick something normal? Like, can you just pick a cartoon that like yeah. these other girls want to watch? Can this just be my easy out, like having to manage this social situation? And she's glued to the TV screen, like nose to the TV, staring at this like vegetable being sliced. And I made, I don't know why I said it. God, mm-hmm. probably. I said, this kind of stuff makes me feel like she's on the spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. just a very offhanded. Whatever. <laughs> and my- your teacher friend was like, here I come. Like, <laughs> Yeah, also her obsession with balls. <laughs> I, was like, I was joking, but I feel like you're not joking. <laughs>
0: like, I, I feel like this, we're about to have a serious what conversation.
1: Else? Like, what else? And I could kind of see on her face, like, she just blurted out. And then she was like, um, well... Really into balls, (laughs) and I don't. I don't remember what else happened after that. I think I like blacked out because I was like spiraling in my head. Mm -hmm. And then she got home and was like, "I did not mean to overstep. I hope I didn't offend you. Like, I'm not. It's not anything negative. I don't want to say. Like, Abby is very smart, very sweet. Like, we knew she was smart. The girl Mm -hmm. could do any alphabet Mm puzzle in a heartbeat like her three-year checkup the doctor asked me is she starting to learn her letters and I was like she knows all of her letters (laughs) define
0: learn her letters like like saying them out loud to you or matching them on a puzzle like
1: (laughs) (laughs) like she knows all of her letters and numbers and colors and shapes and like all like I knew she was smart and that's like what I had in my head was Mm -hmm. smart she knows things um and so my friend was like you know she's smart amazing kid just you might want to like look into autism like you I kind of feel like you might not know a lot about it. I was like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> like I had right. taught maybe two or three autistic kids and they just were nothing like Abby at all. Right. Um, there's, much-
0: there's such a so huge spectrum I, of it too.
1: Such a wide spectrum. And I had very, <laughs> like we knew, I remember her being little, like a year old in the backyard and we're playing in the backyard and somebody starts to mow their yard a couple of houses down and she had an absolute meltdown about the time of the lawnmower. And it was like the weirdest, that was the first time Zach and I, my husband and I looked at each other and were like, could she be autistic? Cause that was weird. Yeah. Like the only thing I knew was liking loud sounds because my one autistic kid I had taught wore headphones all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like loud sounds. And so I had that in my head, but Abby didn't, she made eye contact. She was affectionate. She never flapped her arms. Like there were yeah. so many other huge stereotypes. Yeah. That your she did your not
0: typical be- list that everybody says yeah. or talks about is not always oh. your typical list
1: eye contact is actually not in the list of things that mm-hmm. can make or break for you like mm-hmm, it is yeah. common not I and I myself I think it's probably I don't like make eye contact with people I don't, I, especially if I'm thinking about something like right now on mm-hmm. FaceTime I can't even like see you while I'm thinking yep. about something um like I don't I typically don't maintain eye contact for a long time so I didn't
0: and if I am maintaining I, contact I'm literally sitting here going look at them in my head, I'm going, look at them, look at that. You looked away, look yep. back, look back. Like like job interview type stuff, look at the person. Yes. He's talking to you, look at him. And I have to like, and then I'm like, shoot, what he he ask me? <laughs> Every time. That is like, well, and there's oh, actually, yeah. I just did a huge paper uh, last semester in my research class on overlapping characteristics of ADHD and autism and how a lot of times we are misdiagnosing either ADHD or autism. Um, but because unfortunately, a lot of times when it's autism, when it's really ADHD, but the diagnosis is of autism, a lot of times parents hear that autism and it's like, our the way we do things gets brought down, um, which yeah. like, is not something that I, I obviously I am not a parent of anybody with autism to my knowledge at this moment. And, but what I try really hard as a, as an educator is. Even my children who were completely nonverbal and, and their way of, of coping and, you know, doing it was big fits or big, you know, all the things. My kids, which is what I always still refer to them as, my students, my kids can yeah. still behave. Children with autism, children with, you know, they can still behave. And a lot of times it's misperceived as misbehavior, but like they, there are still certain lines, obviously, but they still know right from wrong in certain Aspects, whether they're at one end of the spectrum or the the complete opposite, they still know right from wrong in some capacity. You know, there are obviously certain things that they have to learn still, but they can. And I was the teacher that very much held that standard to no, no, no. Yes, he can and should be held to said standard or yes, she can and should be held to said standard. Don't mess this up because. I would have them for two, three years. They go to the next grade and she's like, well, I can't get him to do this. And I'm like, you should have stuck with what I had because you gave them the leeway. And there's that literal, well, she doesn't make me do it. So I don't have to do it. And so yeah. I, you know, with, with behaviors, good, good or bad, positive or negative, it's like they can. And so when you have that crossover of, you know, misdiagnoses or whatever, a lot of times parents, oh, they can't do that. They can't do that. And then we almost create and, you know, this I can't do it or this dependency. And so I try really hard to encourage my parents, like, can he tie his shoes right now? Maybe not. Can he put them on his feet? Yes, he can. What? Find the can and then help them do that. And and so that paper ended up becoming really interesting just finding all the stuff that I found because there are a lot of things that I have recognized now that are like, I do that too, though. Like the whole eye contact thing. I can't keep eye contact with anybody. And all my friends know, if I'm not looking at you, I am listening. Like I had teachers <clears throat> as, a, like as an elementary kid who would be like, Andrea, tell me what I just said. Because they would think I wasn't listening because I'm doodling or something. And I'd turn around and be like, in chapter 4, page 287. And I could like quote them. And they would be so mad because I think that they were like, dang it. Like I thought I had her. And I'm like, y'all think I'm not listening, but I am yeah, I just, yeah. I just don't look at you when you talk about it.
1: <laughs> like, fine. I don't, yeah. So she just, she didn't fit a lot of stereotypes, but she did. After having my diagnosis being so close to hers, I, I kind of laughed thinking back about like how many things of hers that we just like rolled with or didn't realize were weird because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm like. I do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have to tell my but husband that, that frequently. I'm like, he does that because we do that. Like when Zane does something, I'm. That's not good. When Zane But does, it's because,
1: or like, it's genetic. Like it's right, yeah. He's,
0: and, and like, Tyler will get frustrated yep. with Zane about something, and I'll say, he doesn't think that way. And he's like, well, why not? And I said, because I don't think that way. <laughs> like, it's, sorry. Like, <laughs> can't help yeah. it. It's my bad. I did it. I gave it yeah. to him.
1: Yep. Things that we just, like, always did that weren't, like, we just, I'm, I, totally overlapped her with like sensory Uh like I also don't like I don't I get I've always gotten so triggered by like yelling like Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just a normal it was like a sense of panic and like I can remember a baby and a kid yelling at me and I like froze Mm -hmm. like I was utterly paralyzed and it shouldn't it that makes so much more sense now and it has given me so much more empathy for her and what Uh it is like for her to have like those sensory like her her range of things that will put her into that sensory overload are uh-huh. much broader than mine. Yeah. But I get there. Like, I understand what it's like and it gives me so much more empathy for the need for like spaces and mm-hmm. um turning the volume down and like mm-hmm. so we just always have kept a quiet house. Like we watch TV at a very low volume. We don't we bought the quietest dishwasher <laughs> that we could find. Really. <laughs> we moved to that house and that dishwasher like you couldn't hold a conversation over oh, the sound yeah. of this dishwasher. Terrible. And we have a very open concept. It's small mm. and it's very open in the living room. So we had to like turn the TV up over the sound of the dishwasher uh-huh. and it just it drove me. And so when we finally replaced it, I was like, You're getting the quietest dishwasher. Run thing. them all, like, whichever one we can't hear. Uh, that's the one. needs to be quiet. When we bought a new vacuum, had to be quiet. Like uh-huh. I just always. So there are a lot of things that we just already did yeah. that fit, that worked out really well for See, her. See, and that's funny um,
0: because I. I took myself, let's see, I graduated from college in 13, started a master's in 14, 13, 14, took myself to get diagnosed then as an adult, did not start medicine until about five months ago. Wow. (laughs) I've tried every other, and I did try some at the time, but I really did not like the way it made me feel. Yeah. And so I didn't take any, and so up until literally like five, six months ago, I have just one survived on caffeine and two yeah. i mean i mean like i can go to bed with a coke in my hand and go straight to sleep but then i'll wake up 57 times in the night but like i i am a naturally very loud human being and any of my close friends listening right now are dying laughing cuz they're like yep that's accurate but so are every one of my children they are extremely yeah. loud and what's funny is like with benjamin he does have some sensory things that bother him that he will bite when that happens. He's never bit out of anger, but he by, like he's like clenching down. Uh, and and the other day at Walmart, on I'll never it was actually Super Bowl Sunday on the chip aisle, which is like the worst place to be at Walmart on what? Super Bowl Sunday. And for some idiotic reason I thought, yeah, I can just take all three of my children with me at the same time what? Super Bowl Sunday on the chip mm-hmm. aisle. sure. He was holding my like I was holding his hand right here and he just out of nowhere bit me. And I was like, what the heck? But then he laughed. And I was like, okay. So it was like, it happened three or four times. So then this last time that we went, I gave him headphones. And he just like chilled through the whole place. And I was like, okay, you're, it's too much. And I told Tyler, I said, and, you know, Tyler's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, at this point, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that it's too loud. And he said, well, is it too loud for you? And I said, I don't know. I listen to podcasts through the whole store. I put my headphones in and listen to something through the store. I have one in and one out so that I can hear my kids but it makes my opposite side of my brain work at the same time so that I can function. And he was like, is that what you do at work? And I was like all the time, everybody in my office knows, like if I have a headphone in and I don't answer you, it's because I'm so like, I'll get hyper-focused and I'm listening to something. And so they'll just wave at me and then i will know to stop, you know, but it's like, there are so many things in our world now that we don't you know, like we don't recognize. And so it's like creating, like, we have to, you know, Luckily, drive-up grocery pickup is God's gift to many mothers, but you know, unfortunately, there are some times that I just have to go in the store, and so luckily, there are some alternatives to that to help, you know. Oh. But so, when was she officially diagnosed?
1: So yeah, so after that day, um, I did. I think as soon as I left, I got online and was googling like mm-hmm. autism, which got overwhelming. Like, real fast I got to say, which is like the
0: worst possible thing you could do. <laughs>
1: google if you are listening and you think your child might be autistic please don't get on google like it's just it's the wrong way,
0: gonna... way
1: to go um
0: actually I, if you think your child's autistic go and follow sarah and abby because she's yeah. got a lot of excellent resources <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: all the places i learned about it. Um, i read some you know the articles were incredibly long and my adhd brain was like i need uh-huh. a I need a tiny bit of info. Like, I just wanted a checklist. I, I just need wanted, the Instagram like, very, real like, version. <clears throat> I just want. It's like when you look up a recipe and you have to read like their life story before you get started. Like, yeah, I, don't I want, want the arrow all, that
0: says "Take me to the recipe" at the bottom. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like a list of here's some things that autistic kids do, or like this is what mm-hmm. it looks like um, in a chart. So Google got really depressing real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned very quickly that the medical world. Views autism very much through its deficits. Like mm, it just—that mm. is how it's diagnosed—is through it. Like in the, the DSM, the mm-hmm. guide how to diagnose mental illnesses and like mm. disability. What is DSM? The DSM diagnostic. I think it's the DSM five now. Yeah, so it's we're we're changed multiple
0: times. Asperger's, which is high functioning autism, used yes. to be in it. Now it's not.
1: They've dropped Asperger's. It's all just autism. Um, like there's still a lot of other changes that need to be made, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so it's better than it was. Um, but it's still, it's very much defined by deficits and it gets really depressing really fast to mm-hmm. sit there and read long list things your child can't do. Yeah. And there is this on strength and maybe it's just harder to diagnose that. Like it might be harder to diagnose by, well, they do this and they do that. Like yeah. it's probably easier to how they're different from everyone mm-hmm. else in the world. This is what makes them, but it doesn't them. make it any
0: easier as the parent going down the oh. list of. This is yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. It's I well, they can't do this, they can't do that. Well, my kid can do things like. Would you like to know about yeah. those? Like.
1: It's no wonder that when when you were talking about like if the diagnosis is autism, you automatically are kind of like, oh well, they can't do all these other things. Uh-huh. They will just never live because that is how it is talked about, and that is what you are told at diagnosis and like that's just like the common
0: that's what I loved I loved when Big Bang Theory came out because I know that it was not like I know it never came out and like said like Sheldon is autistic but let's be honest Sheldon is autistic but they did an such an excellent job of while it is those like typical list of things like that's my spot or like change or taking things super literal they gave it a, a fun side Um, And obviously they had to do that to make the show what it is, but it made it to where it wasn't such a net. Like, yes, it was frustrating for his friends, but it still was also how he coped and functioned in the world. And so I loved that they did such a good job of like showing like, yeah, that's his spot. But it's also like you could literally sit anywhere else in this entire house and he's not going to care. Like, (laughs) um,
1: And he he had friends and he lived Mm -hmm. on his own and he had a really great job and was very smart. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: yes. It was a really great There's, representation, and I love when they came uh, out with the young Sheldon uh, because it, it brought the kid perspective uh, to it,
1: too. Very sweet. Um, but, yeah, so I got sick of Google really quickly and thought, I'm going to look on Instagram because Instagram is small, bite-sized, visual uh-huh. bits of information, and I just searched on, like, Instagram autism, and I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what I was looking for. Very quickly, it was like, Hi, I really, I think Abby's actually autistic, like mm-hmm. I did, and I did. I wanted to wait until my husband actually got home to like talk to him, but right. I remember texting strange moms. Like I texted her and was like, "Look at this." <laughs> they just are my friends. Life. Like I think I think Abby got sick, and to my mother's credit, she did not. I think a lot of people would go, "No, she's not." Like she's yeah. not. No, she's not. My mom was like, "Oh, why? Like, why do we think that yeah, and like you, yeah. Out with the things that I had noticed and was so supportive from the start, like there was never a "Don't say that about her." No, yeah. she's fine. Like it was immediately like okay these are very valid points like Mm -hmm. so what do we do now how do we what's the next step yes um but i had there was a checklist um mrs you know i followed her forever i don't actually know how to like say if she says (laughs) like ep in my head it's always speech iep probably a very clever play on words oh Um, yeah anyway amazing and posted there was this like infographic she had of like the characteristics of autism I had to like print it out so that I could look at it uh-huh. um well I tell. there were kind of four big and like this is me I knew like nothing about autism like I knew eye contact and arm clapping
0: and <laughs> right
1: mm-hmm. um I had no idea what other things were and so this graphic laid it out in like kind of four categories and you had language differences social differences repetitive actions and then sensory differences and each one has like three or four or five bullet points underneath it and I read this list and was like, Abby said all of them, mm-hmm. except for, t- there were two things on that list that I that didn't really describe her, but every other one. And I had no idea that any of those things were mm-hmm. autistic or la- and the language difference because, you know, her speech delay was kind of our biggest thing mm-hmm. that we were already concerned about. And, um, but again, it was just the way she was. So she used echolalia,
0: uh-huh. um, which is it's either
1: immediate, or repeat back what it said. Mm-hmm. Or it's delayed. And I didn't the only thing I knew about it, I think I had one teacher friend with a student who used Echolalia and she just repeated like if uh-huh. you said something to her, she just back to you. All I knew about it. And I didn't know of it as functional language. Uh-huh. but I knew at that point that Abby was learning language by repeating what she heard. Mm-hmm. Like she we would go on a walk and she'd say, Do you see a duck? instead of saying, I see a duck.
0: Like Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Because
0: we all that's how I asked her. her. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um yeah. And she my favorite example is you know my child who at three wasn't speaking complete sentences, couldn't just tell you what she wanted to eat, none of that, walked into this hotel lobby, this really grand hotel lobby, and looked around and said, wow, look at this place. It's so beautiful. Like, you dang what? right it what is. Did you... like... <laughs> How did you do that? Like, I don't, uh-huh. like you haven't said, and then you busted that out, like what in the world? Um, And then heard it later word for word exact same intonation in a blippy video mm-hmm. but Blippy had a baseball stadium yeah not a hotel you she had heard that phrase I've watched that episode enough that she memorized it but she also knew the context to use it in. yeah like it's how I describe stadium.
0: a place yeah
1: walked into this grand place and was very impressed by what she saw and so that's what she said mm-hmm. she probably could not have told you which one of those words like what yeah what those meant meant. yeah but she knew the whole phrase so like, I knew, I didn't know there was word for that. I didn't know that was called delayed echolalia. I just mm-hmm. knew what she said mm-hmm. and like that for what she heard. Well, and I think um, so
0: echolatic that- is something that people are only really familiar with in the sense of like, when I say, do you want to, you know, do you want to go to the park, go to the park? Like they're just repeating right after yeah. you. And that's that immediate echola- echola- hmm. Um echola- I know I always say it wrong, but uh, yep. That is something that everybody, especially when they're thinking from like an autism perspective, they think like, "Oh, are they just repeating everything you say?" And and there is that delayed echolalia, uh, yeah. <laughs> That that a lot of times people don't catch because it's so far after the fact that unless it's extreme, like what you were saying with Abby, where it's like she won't say she wants this, but she can say a whole yeah. you know thing, yeah, a whole phrase. That it's like you're just excited. She said the phrase. You didn't even think about the fact yeah. that it could have been a delayed response from earlier. Like,
1: and unless you happen to watch everything that child watches, exactly. You know, some kids are so good at it, like that you would never know that that's mm-hmm. not normal sentences. Like we tried <laughs> to do speech therapy with her a little bit, and it was not helpful because she was just like scripting the whole time. Like yeah, <laughs> I yeah. was like, I, the speech therapist did not like mm, right. Just I was like, not. She's yeah. not, the whole point of this, like, develop her language further, and she's not. Yeah. And because um, that's not how she learns language. And that's a whole other side note. But anyways, yeah. everything on this list, I didn't. Um, the being, like, obsessed by, <laughs> on, on this list, it was that they often have preferred topics, toys, or interests. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is, like, such a downplay. Um, heavily preferred. Um, the other thing that she did that I did not know was an autistic thing was lining her toys up. Mm-hmm. And once I that, I was like, whoa, I have pictures of her, like yeah. playing. That's how she plays. And yeah. it's not, and that's another, a lot of people are quick to say, well, every kid does that. I'm like, yes, every kid lines up their train cars because you were supposed to line up your train cars. Right. Like that. But does everybody like, line them it. up
0: greatest to smallest or in whatever way she did no. the very first time? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hey, like her she had these little Daniel Tiger characters in the trolley and the way she'd play with them was take them out of the trolley one by one and line them up mm-hmm. and then she'd put them all back one by one and then she was done and yep. that was the game that was yeah okay that's not how a typical two or three year old is probably going to play with their Daniel Tiger toys mm-hmm. so at, that was one of the ones that my friend had mentioned too was like her imaginary play was like not there at all right and I just my husband is a very analytical like mm-hmm. he doesn't love fiction movie he'd rather watch a documentary. like yep. he just i was like oh last well, miniature is that like she's just mm-hmm. an enneagram five like she's just like yep. information and that's um she's just a teeny tiny enneagram five and you know she basically is yeah but um she loved to read books where she just labeled the objects and the, like they weren't stories they were mm-hmm. like yeah it's those just, my first words. yes uh-huh. objects label every object but she didn't care about stories um that kind of stuff of like the lining up toys or the no pretend play and that was the one that my friend was like about her daughter so she said my da- she would pick up a block and pretend that it's a phone mm-hmm. and like Abby would never pretend a thing was a different thing like she'd be right. like, why are you talking about a block like that's not a phone <laughs> <laughs> stop that nonsense <laughs> why would you do that so lots of things her social differences with like not wanting to be around other people or not mm-hmm. being able to conversations um the sensory differences was kind of the other one that i didn't see as much then mm-hmm. as i do now and she's still like a lot of autistic kids have a very hard time with cutting nails or trimming their hair mm-hmm. and that really never bothered her washing her hair is a whole other story <laughs> she does enjoy things and push like pressure and jumping and like there mm-hmm. was a lot of sensory sequences. I didn't know that's
0: what that was at the time. Real quick, um, um, we're going to take a quick break for a commercial, and we will be right back. Are you tired of trying to plan out a semi-decent meal for the family, trying to eat clean but don't know where to start? Luckily, Kevin's Natural Foods does all of this work for us. Clean ingredients, crazy convenience, and real flavor. It's paleo and keto-friendly, has no refined sugar ever, and is gluten and soy free. Plus, there's no antibiotics in the meat. And best of all, it's actually delicious. You can saute, sauce, and serve in as little as five minutes. Add some sides and be good to go. Don't forget to use code House for 10% off at checkout and let us know what you're cooking. So today's podcast ended up being really long, so we chose to break it up into two separate parts. So today is part one, and we will join in to part two on Friday like we always launch new episodes. I really hope you guys are enjoying Sarah's story, and I cannot wait for you to hear the rest. Be sure to check the notes down below so you can go shopping for your very own shirt to support Sarah and Abby.